0: everybody this is Vinnie Moore and you're listening to Guitar Radio Show
1: Alright folks, welcome back to another episode of Guitar Radio Show uh, Our next guest is somebody I've been wanting to have on the show for a really long time Finally, we were able to to, uh, to get him here And we're excited to have him He's got a new record out uh, It comes out on November 8th, I believe It's called Double Exposure It is really, really an excellent record It is the quintessential guitar player album, um, I think and uh, one of the best records I've heard uh, all year. And uh, you're going to know him from his solo work. You're going to know him from playing with Alice Cooper on what I think is Alice's better, best record in the, in the later part of his career. Uh, he's also played with Uf- UFO, uh, guested on so many other uh, records. And of course, you'll know him for his famous Pepsi commercial. Um, but I first learned about him back in the in the old days on guitar in Guitar Player magazine when he was in the Mike Varney Spotlight column. That was the first time I discovered him. Folks, please welcome to Guitar Radio Show finally, Mr. Vinnie Moore. How are you, sir?
0: I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me, and also for the very kind words, sir. Appreciate
1: it. Oh, my my pleasure. You know, I, I've listened to the record now, I guess, about ten times. And, um, it's really holds up. Listen after listen, um, the production, the songwriting, of course, the guitar playing, the sounds, the tones are just spectacular. Do you feel, <laughs> I kept on thinking every time I listened to this, I kept on saying, wow, did he paint himself into a corner here? How's he going to, how's he going to top this one? <laughs> Man, I, I don't know and
0: luckily I never think like that I just kind of go with the flow when I'm writing and recording and uh, just kind of let it happen and don't feel the pressure of what I've done in the past because you know if you kind of let that happen you're not going to be letting it flow from the very beginning and you just got to let it loose and go with things
1: yeah for sure what was the um, the impetus for this record because obviously you've got a lot of guests on the record uh, a lot of great singers on the record um what was the idea when you said, okay, I'm going to do this record, and what, what's it going to, you know, what, what's, how do you plan that this type of thing out?
0: Well, you know, it kind of happened uh, without me really planning it. Um, I was, uh, it was during the lockdowns when we couldn't tour, so I was sitting at home, wondering what to do, you know, that all our shows were canceled. And I had like five or six instrumental songs and I thought, you know what, maybe I'll just start recording, maybe make a guitar EP, or maybe I print up CDs and maybe not, maybe I just put it out digitally. And uh, you know, just to keep busy, you know, I like to be working on something. If I I don't have anything to work on, it kind of drives me crazy. I kind of got lost, really. So I always have to have a goal and be working on something. And nobody at that time knew how long the lockdown thing was gonna last, you know? Mm-hmm. Is it just gonna be another month or two? Is it gonna be a year? So I decided to just start working on these instrumental songs I had. And one night I was kinda going through my demos, which I always do, kind of, you know, basically, you know, for ideas, production ideas, and, you know, listening along. And I was listening along to one of the songs called One Day. I started hearing vocals in my head and naturally I started singing along with a song, just kind of scatting along. And it occurred to me that like, hey, this could be a a really good vocal song, you know? And so I kind of filed that in the back of my mind. And as I listened more and more to the other songs, which followed, you know, a light bulb went off and I thought, hey, all of these songs could be vocal songs, you know? It's just basically, a rock oriented thing and I could maybe get some singer friends of mine to sing on these songs and so the idea of doing a, a record with uh, six songs and having dual versions of each with some singers some being instrumental you know kind of just popped into my head and, and that's where it all started
1: That's cool I, you know it's um, I, I've heard similar stories like this over the last year and a half or so where you know everybody was in the same kind of situation that that we were all kind of neutered and and stuck in one spot and having to just you know keep the creative flow happening and planning for when it was going to turn around um so I, i i have heard that a lot and uh you know, it's interesting what's come out of it. I, I, I've found—I don't know if you've—if you've experienced this as well—but I have found I think that 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 uh, everybody having to take a pause, take a breath, has really created a whole nother level of really great creative stuff that has come out of it. You know, I mean, it was. Yeah, I
0: think you're right, and it kind of put me in this frame of mind where hey, I can be experimental and not be so formal and just
1: do whatever, you know, Yeah. project. Yeah. Yeah, because we were all kind of like, okay, this is, you know, album tour, album tour. Let's do this. Let's do that. This is what's expected. And this was an opportunity to say, you know, let's, you know, rule one is there are no rules. Rule two is see rule number one type of a situation.
0: Exactly. That was my frame of mind.
1: Yeah. And I think it really—I think it paid off in spades with this record. Um, uh, the production on the record is so—you know—the first word that came to mind when I heard the, when I heard uh, "Vertical Horizon," I was like, "Wow, this is thick."
0: Thanks, man. I uh, credit a lot of that to Bob Stander, who recorded the drums and mixed the record and also mastered it.
1: And and obviously this wasn't like you sitting down to have a single recording session, right? This was over a course of a bunch of different times, right?
0: Yeah. Well, initially I thought it was going to be a real quick thing until the idea to do um, dual versions with vocalists came up. And that was like quite a big undertaking. It added so much more elements to, you know, the whole plan, you know? So it, Took a lot longer than I expected because you know writing lyrics, getting the vocals enlisted, and just you know added on to the whole project as far as time and work. But you know it was a labor of love that I really enjoyed doing it. I've been wanting to do like vocals on my solo stuff for quite a while, and this kind of seems to me like a a gateway, like leading into to what's next. And what would that be? Yeah, you know. collaborating with the singers was really a cool thing and they added a lot to each song, for sure.
1: So so you're thinking down the road that there'll be more of that type of thing and then on the road you'll bring a singer?
0: Yeah, I've always wanted to do more of a band thing and, you know, the UFO thing is kind of winding down, though. Now nobody knows exactly what's going to be happening with that, right. but it's not going to last much
2: longer. Right. And so you know, I definitely want to get another
0: band and uh, be able to do records and perform live.
1: Yeah, I, I, I. This is you're right. This is a gateway. It's you know, it's it's so funny how opportunities come along and uh, how they present themselves. So I think it's great. I think it's really cool too that there's you know that the, there's tracks with with uh, vocals and then there's tracks without vocals, but essentially they're the same kind of riff and thing going on. But yet they're completely different songs.
0: Exactly. And one thing I intentionally wanted to do is put the same middle solo section you know in each song. I wanted to have two different solos for the dual versions in right. the middle eight.
2: Right. So to speak. So it would like for the guitar fanatics it would
0: like let them hear two different versions, like two different approaches. Like, oh, in this song he approached it this way and in this song the solo is totally different even though he's playing over the same chord changes
1: right and it gives you a completely different listen you know I mean honestly I was about I think I was in in my third listen of the record when I realized oh wow paid my dues and Rocket are the same freaking rhythm. right <laughs> you know I was so clever I was like wow and you know and I was like and it was funny because I'm sitting and I'm listening to the record with my gear guy here, uh, Rob Wingler, and we're and we're going, oh my god, that track rocket! Oh my god, yeah, but that track paid my dues. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, man, <laughs> hang on a second. But they sound like completely different things
0: going on. Yeah, it's amazing the way you can take a landscape and what you put over top of it. You know, really makes
1: a big difference. It really, really does. It's it's kind of crazy. Um. so oh, I, I want to jump around the record a little bit because there's, there's songs that really stood out to me and all like the songs that I keep going back to and playing over and over again uh, Vertical Horizon is definitely one of them um, Paid My Dues, of course Rocket but there's a track called Astro Man mm-hmm. um, we were both sitting here and we both went okay, definitely got to ask him what kind of wah-wah he's using on this What kind of wah pedal is that?
0: Man, it's just like a standard Dunlop pedal. Wow. And uh, I'm sitting in my studio right now, and I'm looking at three of them. I don't know which one of the three I used, but it's a GCB95. So, you know, pretty
1: typical. That's crazy, because it sounds so otherworldly I mean you know no pun intended with Astro Man but it sounds otherworldly it's such a great your, your wah sound on this record is just stupendous and it's co- completely in your-
0: um, you know I tried a bunch of different things for that and uh it, the uh Dunlop just worked best so I went with it
1: yeah I guess I right? old faithful right yep pretty much yeah absolutely um Talk to us about so was the gear radically different from track to track, or was it kind of like you had a standard? Um, Not radically
0: different. Um, I used a bunch of different guitars, and I mostly used my Marshall JMP 100 watt head, which is was built in 1980, and that's become a favorite of mine over the the years. Um, I also used my uh, 1965 Fender Super Reverb, and I have a f- newer Fender Deluxe uh, Reverb, which I used a little bit, but honestly, mostly it was the Marshall, and I set the gain to like six, so you're getting a little crunch, but not a singing tone, lead mm-hmm. tone, mm-hmm. and then I, I run through a pedal, like an Analog Man, King of Tone, to kind of push the Input of the amp a little harder. Right. And another pedal I used quite a bit was the Full Tone. What is it called? It's like modeled after the Octavia, but I always forget the name of it.
1: Oh, Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
0: Octafuzz, maybe? Yeah, Octafuzz.
1: Octafuzz, that's it. Yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah, and initially I got that pedal because I was trying for some higher octave stuff, and uh, I ended up like loving. The pedal just used as a fuzz pedal with the octave turned off and it does some killer sounds on that and you know I haven't used a fuzz pedal much in the past and I ended up using that in a lot of places on the record and you probably don't know really even you know recognize that it's a fuzz tone because I'm not using it in that typically aggressive and gnarly way you know but it just added a nice overdrive sound like mm-hmm. sustaining tone with some different character
1: yeah it's funny how fuzz has become very fashionable again and it can and, and and the depending on the unit it can be um really versatile definitely especially as you manipulate the volume control on the guitar yeah
0: if you back it off a little bit you know you get a totally different tone
1: yeah absolutely um Tell us a little bit about the process with the track breaking through.
0: Hmm, that's one where I initially wrote it in E, and I thought, you know, this might be cooler if I go to drop D tuning. So I tried that version and bounced it off a couple of the people who were on the record, the uh, engineer and also uh, the bassist and drummer, and everybody seemed to like it drop down a little bit, so I, I went with that. And I used a lot of add nine chords, which I've really liked those for quite a while now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, first fifth, add nine, and yeah, love those kind of chords played with a heavy tone. And I used what was the? I used a harmonizer on that one. Yeah. The first time I've really used a harmonizer, I was experimenting with a Waves plug-in. I think it was called Quadrovox, maybe and and my idea for the melodies and the verses and the chorus were to do like two-part harmonies you know and just like play the harmony on top but I got this plug-in I started experimenting with it and I dialed in like a fourth higher than what I was playing and I thought let me try like a lower harmony in there too so I added like a third lower and you know that seemed to work best and I played live, you know, with the harmonizer on, with the two harmonies. And, you know, it was pretty inspirational, actually, with that big tone. And that's uh, also one where I didn't use an amp. I used the IK Multimedia amplitude, mm-hmm. which is very cool, and worked with the harmonizer plug-in quite well.
1: Very cool. Oh, yeah, it's another one of those songs that just kind of, like I said, thick, you know, it's a killer, killer track. I loved what
0: Mike did with that, with the um, vocal version, too.
1: Yeah. The
0: nice harmony vocals.
1: Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Once again, a completely different song, you know? So it's 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 great that that's why the record's called what it's called, you know? Um, it's, I
0: made sure not to let the guys hear the instrumental version of the songs, because I think that would have, like, pushed them in a certain direction. Sure. And I wanted to keep it open so that they would totally hear it in their own way and go in their own direction.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have, definitely. It would have influenced their, their melody, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, will there be a tour around this record?
0: I definitely want to do that. My booking agent is looking into things right now. So, it's, it's going to be next year. I think it's too late in the year yeah. now to do something. Mm-hmm. So... 2023.
1: Yeah. Well, I think everybody's looking at that as like a as a as another, you know, for using that word again, gateway, another another gateway to normalcy. You know. Yep. Um I think we're going to see a lot more of that coming up. Um so will the gear, I mean in general, will the gear be vastly different for touring than what you used in the studio?
0: Not vastly different. I'll bring a couple guitars, and usually I've been using a Marshall head on stage, JCM 2000, and uh, I can get pretty close to the old JMP with that. And, you know, just maybe a 4x12 cabinet, a couple pedals, and I don't like for things to be too complicated.
1: You know, just keep it simple. Always has worked best for me. Yeah, less to go wrong exactly (laughs) yeah that's for sure Um, it's funny how when I work in a studio I'll bring a whole bunch of stuff with me that I would probably never bring out live because I'm just too afraid of, of something going wrong in the chain and then on the fly you gotta figure out what the hell happened
0: there's nothing worse than being on stage and the sound is crackling or totally cut out and you're on your knees, like, pulling cables to yeah. see which cable is bad or whatever. And yeah. I hate
1: that. It's the worst. Um, when uh, when you work with different artists, so you're working with Alice and, and the UFO gig, um, are you... Are you in a situation where you're you're permitted to to be you, or do you have to fit a certain mold in a situation like that?
0: Well, with UFO, I know they definitely definitely wanted me to come in, contribute as a writer, and with playing live, just totally add my own element, do my own thing. Right. And uh, there was never a thing where they said you need to play in this style or play like that. It was kind of the opposite, like do your thing, and um I guess if I was out of line with what I was playing, I probably would have heard something, but I always my approach is do what's best for the song, and in those songs, there are certain guitar parts that are part of the song and they just need to be played,
2: yeah. and
0: then there are certain areas where you can where I improvise more and just go for the spirit of the song, mm-hmm luckily I was a big fan of UFO growing up so I was real familiar with you know their style and their catalog yeah
1: I mean just just an amazing catalog from that band just such a great band yeah lots of records yeah and I just never understood why they they never really broke in America like I felt they should have I mean there's a lot of bands like that but um, I
0: thought that thing that would have helped them a lot is when mtv first started if they had a a video yeah and for whatever reason i don't know why they didn't have a video and it seems like a lot of bands that were around at that time period like the first couple two or three years of mtv and had that video kind of became legendary in a way yeah and yeah that would have definitely helped
1: yeah for sure um so you're originally from, you grew up in Delaware, is it? Yep. And um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm always curious about it because I always think about geography and where we grow up and the influences that are around us and how that informs us later in our, in our musical maturation. What in Delaware do you think was one of those those things? Did, did, was there something there that really inspired you to pick up the instrument and do that, or was it outside influences?
0: Well, you know, it was just all the rock bands that were popular back in the day that got me started, from Frampton to Deep Purple to Led Zeppelin, the Beatles and Queen. But I think in this area, actually, there's an undercurrent of... Of, of southern rock and, you know, country-oriented stuff, believe it or not. Because mm-hmm. we're not really considered the South, but I think we're we're very close to it, and we get a lot of those elements in music. So I also grew up into bands like Skinnerd and the Allman Brothers, and, mm-hmm. and that was a big influence, and I think that's part of this area, to be honest with you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds similar to where I, gr- I grew up in Long Island, or on Long Island, and... um it was similar too. it was, you know, all the rock stations played a whole lot of Allman brothers, Skinner, uh, but then you also had ACDC, Van Halen, you know, um, and, and Bowie and grateful dead was big on Long Island too. uh, Um, during the time period. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. Um, So was there one particular player that you heard and you said, that's what I want to do?
0: Well, actually, it was a lot. I mean, Ricky Blackmore was -hmm. there very early on, Jeff Beck, Brian May, and uh, Peter Frampton. You know, that kind of, that's where it started for me.
1: Yeah. Frampton is one of those guys that I don't, I mean, amongst guitar players, real hardcore musicians, uh, he gets he gets his just due, but I think a lot of people don't realize how incredibly talented he is, and and his choice of notes against a poor right. pattern. Right, got great phrasing
0: and a great tone.
1: Yeah, just phenomenal. I'm actually reading his book right now. Have you ever read that that book he put out, the autobiography? I haven't actually. Oh, I highly recommend it, I, and I recommend it in the audiobook format because he's okay. he's an amazing storyteller I think I, I've been laughing out loud he's so he's so witty it's wonderful um, with, with you um, I, I like to ask this question particularly of, of musicians of your caliber um, how much of what you do is heart and how much of it is head
0: hmm there's definitely a combination and they can coexist together. And, you know, I've never really analyzed it, but to me, the emotions got to be there, the spirit and the energy.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, I, I took lessons, I learned theory, all that kind of stuff, but I think it was Charlie Parker who had the famous quotation, you know, learn as much as you can and then just forget it and just play. Mm-hmm. You know I and mean, it's there naturally, but uh yeah, I just kind of like like to feel what I'm playing, and that's first and foremost, but I think the fact that I have you know some theory in there, and you know I've studied obviously comes out too,
1: yeah yeah no i it, it, you have a
0: like a certain good, no, go ahead. I was going to say, like, each artist has a certain library of their own licks and ideas. And, you know, it's kind of there to naturally draw from. And, you know, sometimes I like to add new things to the library, too. But, yeah, it's all about the feeling and the spirit and the songs and melodies. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and that's really evident on this record, too, um, in the sense that the, the feel... I think that's really what it is this this record has a swing to it you know and and yeah I mean I when I grew up I started taking lessons with a guy named Nick
0: Bucci who was he was a rock jazz player he was studying with uh, Pat Martino who lived in Philadelphia which was you know pretty close to us and so he told me about Pat Joe pass and I started getting into like horn players and the jazz thing had a swing to it and that's kind of where it started for me.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I like that
0: rhythmic feel. It's kind of hard for me to play without that, to be honest with you.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and and the, well, like tracks like Paid My Dues, you know, and, uh, and Astro Man and Vertical Horizon, um, they are, they have this swagger, you know, It it's, it's definitely rock, you know, it's a rock swagger, but, there's this undercurrent of, 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 of funk, jazz, blues, that's kind of living in there. That I like when music or riffs make you move, you know. Yeah. And the uh, ironic thing is, I can't
0: dance. I never could. I don't even get dancing. <laughs> but with the music, I mean, I feel that swing and that groove. It's really yeah. important to
1: me. Yeah. Twos and fours, I always say twos and fours. That's that's music to make babies by. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I find that I usually count in eighth notes, you know, and there's a lot of accents on upbeats and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, so we're we're looking at a, at the a potential of 2023, and it will be will it be U.S. or will it be Europe?
0: The first thing would be U.S., and, you know, I always do European shows, too, so that would have to follow at some point. And, of course, if there happens to be UFO shows, which
1: at this point is a big if, but if that happens, I'll have to kind of balance that in there, too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was listening to Eddie Trunk, and he was saying that he hopes that there's, a, you know, if, if they are going to end up, you know, if you guys are going to end up calling it quits, that hopefully there's at least one show in the UK and one show here.
0: That's a good idea. I hope there's many shows in the UK and many shows in US.
1: Yeah.
0: I think they've probably been our best two markets, to be honest, and uh,
2: of course England, because it's an English band. Yeah. And it seems only natural that the
0: last show would be in London. I mean, everybody was saying that, but yeah. It yeah. was planned to be in um, in Greece and Athens and right. know, that's the tour that got uh, canceled so right I'd be there right now actually somewhere in Germany.
1: Oh wow Wow well I certainly hope I certainly hope that that happens and I, and I would love to see uh, you guys do it do that at least one more time that would be you know be really fitting um, you know it's uh, like I said such a great band, such an amazing catalog of songs. Um, and you know, not just hard rocking, but really feel good music, UFO. Mm-hmm. You know, party music, without a doubt. A lot of
0: great material for yeah, sure,
1: man. Absolutely. Um, I love this record, man. I think it's fantastic, and I and I, I so greatly appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us today.
0: No problem at all, man. It's so good to get your feedback, man. It means so lot. Such a lot to me that you like it because you know you work on something for so long you put so many hours in and you get to a point where it's like finished it's getting ready to come out and you're like man what if nobody likes this <laughs> what if I've just wasted like more than a year of my life <laughs> and so far I've been getting positive you know feedback about it and it's kind of a relief and makes you feel good for sure
1: yeah this re- uh, like I said I-, I-, I think it's one of the best records I've heard this year and there's been a lot of good records this year. You know, wow, thank I really, you. I really think it's really. I mean, you know, this is, you know, just solid songs. Like I said, that mix is just so thick, and uh, the playing is is like I said, it's going to be really interesting to see what you do next. To see how you can how you can paint yourself out of this corner. It's it's a really great record maybe
0: I'll have to do something totally different so it it wouldn't be comparable
1: (laughs) right totally maybe a classical record (laughs) there we go old gut string
0: (laughs) well one thing is I try to do my best every with every outing you know as far as songwriting as far as the playing and recording you know I always give it my all so I'll be doing that for sure but you know that's pretty much all you can do
1: Absolutely. Uh, Folks, the album is called Double Exposure. Um, Once again, this is one of those records. It's going to be streaming, uh, what, as of November 8th, I believe it is, right? November 8th. November 8th it'll be streaming, and they'll also, you know, but you can stream it all you want, but after you've listened to it a couple of times, go buy the record. This way, Vinny will make more of it. This way... We can keep him in business and make him make more. Thanks, man. Don't just stream it. Buy it. Absolutely. Vinny, thanks so much for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me. Great talking to you.
1: Absolutely. You hold on one second, uh, but we're going to sign off right here.
0: Guitar Radio Show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Radio GuitarRadioShow.com, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Find Guitar Radio Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, if you like the artists you hear on Guitar Radio Show, don't just stream their music, buy it.
2: PRS Productions